Atlanta is coming off a bye week. Now, Atlanta has been really good under interim head coach Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris looks like a second coming of the football gods for Atlanta. Because under Dan Quinn, Atlanta failed to finish games. They were constantly giving up leads in the fourth quarter. Well, under Raheem Morris, Atlanta is 3-1. and one. And the only game they lost was to the Detroit Lions, which was pretty much on Todd Gurley because he forgot to need a football. Instead of needing a football, he just went ahead and scored the game with a touchdown, which gave Detroit one more position to go down the field to win the game. And we already know how Atlanta secondary has been for the entire season. Hasn't really been that great. So that pretty much has been the only loss that Raheem Morris has suffered since he has taken over as the interim head coach for Atlanta. Now, this is going to be Raheem Morris' first true test. Because the last four games that Atlanta has played has been against teams that haven't really been that great. So this is going to be the first team that Atlanta is going to play that with Raheem Morris as the interim head coach as actually good. Now, the Saints are going into this game 7-2, coming off a 27-13 win against the San Francisco 49ers last weekend. And Drew Brees is not going to be playing in this game. For those of you guys who don't know already, Drew Brees is going to be missing at least the next three to four weeks due to rib fractures and a collapsed lung. Brutal. So Jameis Winston is going to be the guy who is going to get the start at quarterback, most likely for the New Orleans Saints. And they're pretty much going to rotate him and Taysom Hill. I think Taysom Hill is going to come in for a good portion of the game at quarterback because his ability to run the football like Same thing that they do with... Drew Brees, when Drew Brees was start, you know how sometimes they'll take Drew Brees out of the game and they're in certain Taysom Hill on certain packages. I still think nothing's really going to change in terms of to Taysom Hill's role in the offense. Maybe he may actually throw a little bit more passes, but Jameis Winston should be the guy who should be the starting quarterback for New Orleans heading into this game. And you're looking at Atlanta Falcons secondary that has improved a little bit, but it's still really shaky and still really is not that great. So how is Jameis Winston going to perform as his first game as the official starter for New Orleans? Now, last week when he took over in the second half for Drew Brees, he was 6-10, threw the ball for 63 passing yards. At least when I was watching, he looked really good. Now, a couple of articles I was reading for some reason kept saying that he had a subpar performance. I don't get how Jameis Winston had a subpar performance against the 49ers. Like, who writes these articles? No offense, but how did Jameis Winston have a subpar performance against the 49ers? He came in the second half. He took New Orleans down the field and the red zone several times. So I don't get how Jameis Winston had a subpar performance. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me at all. That allowed me to rant for a little bit. That just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. How did Jameis Winston have a subpar performance against the 49ers? He came in unexpectedly and performed really well. Okay? So for... New Orleans, Jameis Winston has a lot of weapons at his disposal. You have Michael Thomas, who is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He's still trying to get back into the form that he was before he suffered an injury week one before Tampa Bay that kept him out for a good part of the season. So you got Michael Thomas, 
You got Emmanuel Sanders. You got Jared Cook. You got Alvin Kamara in the backfield. You have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And you have Sean Payton as your head coach, who is one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. Jameis Winston has all the keys to the car to be successful for the New Orleans Saints. And this is a big opportunity for Jameis Winston because this is pretty much Jameis Winston's last chance to not only maybe become the franchise quarterback for the Saints, but if the Saints choose to not bring back Jameis Winston, this is going to be his chance to audition for any other team that's going to be looking for a quarterback and free agency come the offseason. For, for so for Jameis Winston, there is a lot of implications for him being the starting quarterback in New Orleans. And I do feel like Jameis Winston is good enough to get the Saints to the playoffs. And not only that, I think he's going to be good enough to keep the Saints around that conversation to potentially have that number one overall seed in the NFC. And I may be a little bit biased, which I am, because you guys know that I am the biggest Jameis Winston fanboy in the world. Jameis Winston is my favorite NFL player of all time. I love Jameis Winston. I have several Jameis Winston jerseys in my closet. If I wasn't live streaming, I would pull them out right now and show you guys. But Jameis Winston is a really good fit for that New Orleans Saints offense. And it may not seem like that because you think about Drew Brees and how he runs that offense. You know, he's methodical. He doesn't take a lot of shots downfield only when he really has to. But I think that Jameis Winston is going to be really good in this offense as well because here's why. There hasn't really been a coach that has properly developed Jameis Winston. When Jameis Winston was coming out of college, what was the knock on Jameis Winston? He was too reckless with the football. So what do you do when you draft a reckless quarterback? Well, you hire a head coach and Bruce Arians who likes to throw the football downfield, who is just as aggressive as Jameis Winston, okay, so, I mean, you're in for a recipe for a disaster. Don't even get me started on the head coach for Tim Bay who came before Bruce Arians. Can't really think of his name right now. Dirk Cutter. Dirk Cutter is what his name was. He was Jameis Winston's second head coach after they got rid of Lovey Smith. So you bring in two head coaches who their offensive philosophy is throwing the football downfield, being aggressive. And Jameis Winston never really properly developed. I think him going to the New Orleans Saints, playing for Sean Payton is going to help him out tremendously in his career because Sean Payton is a guy who, yeah, he's a guy who may like to take shots deep down the field every once in a while, but his offense isn't predicated solely based on the big play. His offense is based on ball control, taking care of the football, and taking what the defense gives you. And that's why I think Jameis Winston is going to have a great chance to succeed with the New Orleans Saints because Sean Payton is going to develop him. Sean Payton is going to be like, look, man, we don't need you to take all of these unnecessary shots down the field. That's not what our offense is. This is a ball control offense. We want to take what the defense gives us. Doesn't matter if it's two yards. Doesn't matter if it's one yard. We want to get in rhythm in the passing game, and we want to keep the clock moving, and we want to be methodical and have a methodical approach on offense we want to move the ball down the field we don't need to score a touchdown in one play we just want to move the ball down the field and sustain drives and that's what Sean Payton's offense is all about and I think Jameis Winston now that he's going to be going to a coach that basically says no risk it no biscuit I think this is going to be really good for Jameis Winston. And Jameis Winston never really had a team that he's played on during his time in Tampa Bay that has truly been balanced Tampa Bay has always been the team that over the last couple of years since Jameis Winston was the starting quarterback that has always been 
throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. Not really a lot of emphasis in terms of running the football. Also, remind you that Jameis Winston has played behind some not-so-stellar offensive lines. And you see how that's working out for Tom Brady this year. The offensive line has improved a little bit, but still not all that great. So I'm really excited about this game. I'm really excited about seeing my guy, Jameis Winston, and what he's going to do as the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. And for the Atlanta Falcons, if they want to win this game, you're going to have to get pressure on Jameis Winston, and you're going to have to force Jameis Winston to become the Jameis Winston that he was when he was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, throwing pitch sixes, getting frustrated, mix up your coverages, and try to throw him off guard, okay? Because if you give Jameis Winston all day to throw in the pocket, he is going to shred you. And Atlanta has been pretty decent when it comes to getting pressure on the quarterback. They haven't been great, but they haven't been bad in the pass rushing department. They're pretty, they're pretty much in the middle of the pack in terms of being able to get pressure on the quarterback. So I'm really excited about this game. The team I'm going to take to win this game, I'm taking the Saints to get the victory. I think the Saints win this game. 34 to 21 is my final score prediction in this game. I think Atlanta is going to put up points on this New Orleans Saints defense. I know the Saints defense has started to kind of pick things up over the last couple of weeks. I gave the New Orleans Saints a lot of flack over the last couple of weeks about their lack of defense and how poor their defense has been. But this defense, now that they're starting to get healthy, has been really good. So I'm taking the Saints to get the victory. The 3-5-1 Philadelphia Eagles traveling on the road to face the 6-3 Cleveland Browns. Now, I have a lot to say about this game. This is probably going to be one of the longest previews that I have done so far this season. So, the Eagles lost to the New York Giants 27-17. And my block of the week last week, was the New York Giants taking the under for the New York Giants to pull off the upset against Philadelphia. I won a lot of people a good amount of money. And I bet on that game myself with my friends. It was a Philadelphia Eagle fan. I said, look, man, the Giants are going to beat you. He was like, man, JT, you're tripping, man. How much you want to bet on it? I said, put $50 that you guys lose to the New York Giants. Well, Sunday comes around and the Eagles lose to the New York Giants. And this is how crazy 2020 is. Who would have thought that the New York Giants at any point in the season would have control of the NFC East? That's just how bad this division is. And I've been telling a lot of people, I said, look, the Giants are not a bad football team. Their last couple of games have been decided by one possession or less. So if Daniel Jones can take care of the football and not turn the football over, New York could win a good majority of those one possession games. And that's what Daniel Jones has done so far. Daniel Jones in games that he doesn't have any turnovers is 2-1 as a starter, I believe. Or like 3-1 or something like that. I don't really know the stats on the top of my head. But I do know when Daniel Jones is to turn the football over, the New York Giants win games. All right? So Philadelphia... If you're an Eagles fan, you look at that game, you say, JT, how did we lose? Go to the box score. You're looking at team yardage. Okay, pretty fair. No turnovers. How did we lose, JT? Well, you were 0-9 on third down. The name of the game is being able to keep the chains moving and being able to keep drives alive. And if you can't convert on third down, how do you expect to move the ball down the field unless you're Seattle and you get in all these big plays in the passing game, which Philadelphia isn't? So Philadelphia was 0-9 on third down. When you're 0-9 on third down, that means that the majority of the time, you're not going to be able to control time possession because being able to control time possession means that you're moving the ball 
consistently and you're keeping drives alive on third down and Seattle wasn't able to do that that's why they got dominated time possession by the New York Giants who had the ball for 31 minutes and 43 seconds compared to Philadelphia having the ball for 28 minutes and 17 seconds so time possession was a really big reason for why the New York Giants won that game and their third down defense was solid and this is a Philadelphia Eagles team that has really been all that great on third down this season. So you're looking at the Cleveland Browns. They were in a dogfight with the Houston Texans. And I'm not really surprised that they were in a dogfight with the Houston Texans. They only beat them 10-7. to But the Browns are still a three-and-a-half point favorite to win this game. And what that tells you is that Vegas doesn't have a lot of confidence in the Philadelphia Eagles. And I don't have a lot of confidence in the Philadelphia Eagles neither because when you get outplayed by the New York Giants, like, listen, Philadelphia just got flat out outplayed by the New York Giants. This is a team that, remind you, is supposed to be rebuilding, okay? But since the vision is just that bad, the New York Giants can only take the opportunity that they are presented in front of them. So you look at Philadelphia, their defense is a lot better than what a lot of people are giving them credit for. But this offense with Carson Wentz has been sloppy at times. And Carson Wentz has really played great. Carson Wentz has been really up and down. And one of my biggest gripes with the national media is that a lot of the people in the national media keep making excuses for Carson Wentz poor performance. They keep saying, well, Carson Wentz has to, you know, he's just trying, he's just trying to make too many things happen. Like, just be honest, let's just say that Carson Wentz has not been great that this season and leave it at that. Let's not be contradictory every single week saying that, oh, Carson Wentz is great. Oh, Carson Wentz is bad. Listen, the Philadelphia Eagles are 3-5-1 right now because of Carson Wentz up and down performance this year. He has not been consistent. So let's stop giving Carson Wentz passes for his lack of great play. Let's hold Carson Wentz accountable. Just like how we need to hold Russell Wilson accountable for causing Seattle Seahawks games. Like, let's stop making excuses for Carson Wentz and Russell Wilson. All right? They're losing football games because they're not taking care of the football. And they're not playing good football. All right? Stop being so... This is what a lot of people have. Like, they have so much bias because of what a quarterback has accomplished in the past. Nobody gives a hoot if Carson Wentz almost won NFL MVP a couple of years ago when the, CLC, when the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl. That was in the past. Look at what is in front of you right now. Carson Wentz is an up-and-down quarterback. Right now, he has to be in the middle of the pack. And for all you guys watching, would you want Carson Wentz to be your quarterback right now with how he's played? I don't think so. I like to have consistency and stability at quarterback, and I'm not really seeing that out of Carson Wentz. I know he's trying to make things happen, but still, at the end of the day, that's no excuse for how he's played this season. People are trying to make it seem like Carson Wentz doesn't deserve any other blame for the Philadelphia Eagles being 3-5-1. Carson Wentz has caused the Philadelphia Eagles a good amount of games that they've lost so far this season. And for Cleveland... I'm looking at the Philadelphia Eagles off the line that isn't great. So, Miles Garrett could have a field day. Miles Garrett right now is entering this game with nine and a half sacks. He is most definitely going to be in a conversation for a defensive player of the year like he was last year before he got suspended for the rest of the season after he bopped Mason Rudolph in the head with the helmet. And I don't know how the Philadelphia Eagles are going to game plan and try to stop him. I think this is going to be a game that Miles Garrett comes in and he dominates. Sort of like how Aaron Donald dominated Seattle last week. He was a one-man wrecking crew. And I think that is going to be a big reason for Cleveland making an argument for why they can win this game. Now, if Philadelphia wants to win this game, they need to give Miles Sanders the ball. 
Give Miles Sanders the ball. Hand him the football off. Give him the ball in the passing game. Just give Miles Sanders the ball, period. Because it seems like when this offense is running through Miles Sanders and you're not really allowing Carson Wentz to do whatever he wants to, this offense is pretty solid. All right, so this offense... And I don't know if Doug Peterson is blind, but this offense operates a lot better when it's running through Miles Sanders and it's not running through Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has a lot of talent. He's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL, but for right now, this offense is more efficient and they're at their best when it's operating through Miles Sanders. When you're able to get the run game going, when you're able to get Miles Sanders the ball in the passing game, this offense is good when Miles Sanders has the ball in his hands. So Philadelphia needs to give the ball to Miles Sanders if they want to have a chance at winning this game and the Philadelphia Eagles are one and three on the road Cleveland is five and one at home so Philadelphia hasn't been great on the road and for Cleveland are they going to be able to defend their home turf now for Cleveland they currently are tied with the Baltimore Ravens for second place and the AFC and if Cleveland wins this game you're not only going to be in that playoff conversation because right now they're kind of tied with Las Vegas and Miami, but if they win this game, they continue to still be in that playoff conversation, all right? And if Baltimore loses to Tennessee, they could jump over Baltimore, and Baltimore could be the team that a lot of people are going to be looking at saying, hey, is Baltimore going to make the playoffs or not? So Cleveland is a three-and-a-half point favorite heading into this game. I am going to take the Browns to win this game, and I'm going to take them to cover. I think the Browns beat Philadelphia by a pretty good margin. I think Philadelphia loses this game to Cleveland. 14-27 to 27 is my final score prediction in this game. Because, look, Philadelphia was 0-9 on third down last week against the New York Giants. All right? I don't have confidence in Philadelphia's offense. I definitely don't have any confidence in Carson Wentz because you don't know what play you're going to get out of Carson Wentz from week to week. One week he plays well, the other week he's playing inconsistent. Like, it's, you, it's just too much inconsistency with Philadelphia. I don't care if Philadelphia is getting back healthy. This team still doesn't look good. They don't look well coached. And Doug Peterson's a pretty doggone good coach, but this team doesn't look good at all. This defense is pretty solid, but the defense can only do so much when your offense is stalling out and it's only not on third down. So I don't trust Philadelphia. I'm going to put my faith in Cleveland. I think Cleveland gets the job done. I think Cleveland ends up covering the spread, and I think they win. Now are the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now the Pittsburgh Steelers are currently 9-0. They are the only remaining undefeated team left in the NFL right now. And for Pittsburgh, last week they destroyed the Cincinnati Bengals 36-10. And that was a really impressive victory because the Cincinnati Bengals are a better team than, where, than what the record may indicate. And the Steelers beat them down. And remind you, a lot of people were thinking that the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to have a good chance to lose that game against Cincinnati because they almost lost to the Dallas Cowboys. Well, now you're going on the road to face the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are currently 1-8, and and you are a 10-point favorite. Now, Jacksonville lost to the Packers last week, 24-20, but they put up a really good fight. They played a really good game, and they were in that game all the way to the end. Something that, if you're a Jaguar fan, you haven't really seen a lot of the Jacksonville Jaguars over the last couple of weeks because the majority of their games 
haven't really been all that close. They've been pretty one-sided. So the fact that you were able to take Green Bay to their limit is really impressive. And when you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, they have given the Pittsburgh Steelers a lot of problems in the past. Like, I am friends with a lot of Jacksonville Jaguar fans, and I've had a lot of them come at me and try to say, Hey, JT, do you want to bet any money on this game? And I made a lot of bets on this game, okay? I said, listen, I may make a bet, I may not. Because, listen, there is a chance that Pittsburgh may lose this game, okay? Because, let's face it. Pittsburgh has a really good team. They have one of the best teams in the NFL. They have a great defense. They have a solid offense. But eventually, they're going to lose sooner rather than later. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, you can't really think about what the team has done in the past against Pittsburgh because I'm not a guy who is really big on history. Like, I don't really think history matters all that much than what a lot of people try to make it out to be. Like, a lot of people are going to say, well, JT, Jacksonville has get get." given the Steelers' issues in the past, but at the end of the day, Pittsburgh is still a really talented team. So despite the fact that Jacksonville plays really good against Pittsburgh, they always play Pittsburgh tougher than any other team in the NFL, you still have to look at how good the Steelers have been this season. And the Steelers are currently 9-0 for a reason. Now, I know the Steelers have had some close games, but you look at how they dominated Cincinnati, that should encourage you, all right? The Steelers needed to beat Cincinnati the way they did last week. Now, James Robinson, if the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to have any chance of pulling off the upset in this game, he's going to have to have 30 or more touches in this game. Now, James Robinson is an undrafted rookie for agent for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he has been their best player offensively. Their second best player has either been LaVisco Chenault, who is currently listed as questionable heading into this game, or DJ Chark. You can pick or choose. But James Robinson is going to have to have 30 touches or more if Jacksonville wants to win this game. He's going to have to have a great game. Now, last week against Green Bay, he had 23 carries for 109 rushing yards. He was averaging 4.7 yards per carry against Green Bay, a Green Bay defense that has struggled to stop the run all this year. Meanwhile, you have Pittsburgh, whose defense has kind of struggled against the run over the last couple of games, like over the last four or five games. Pittsburgh's run defense hasn't looked as dominant as it had when the season first began a couple of weeks ago. But they did have a really nice performance against Cincinnati when it came to stopping their ability to run the football. And you're looking at Jacksonville Jaguars off the line that is not great. You're also looking at Jacksonville Jaguars offense that's going to be starting Jake Luton at quarterback. Now, Jake Luton, rookie out of Oregon State, is starting once again in replace of the injured Gardner Minshew. And for Jake Luton, he hasn't played bad. I think he's played fairly well from what you expect from a backup quarterback. And against Green Bay, the game wasn't great, but I mean, he still made enough plays when they mattered the most to keep the Jacksonville Jaguars in that game and for the game to somewhat come down to a fourth quarter. So he did enough, but going against this Pittsburgh Steelers defense, he's going to have to get the ball out quick. And if you're offensive coordinator Jay Gruden, you already kind of run somewhat of a West Coast system. So now you're going to figure out ways to attack the Steelers defense. A Steelers defense that all they really do is blitz. This is why everybody calls the Pittsburgh Steelers Blitzburg because they blitz pretty much more than any other team in the NFL. So how do you kind of react to a team that likes to blitz? Well, simple. You run screen passes. You find plays that attack and use the Pittsburgh Steelers' aggressiveness against them. And the best way to do that is by getting the ball out quick, a lot of passes behind the line of scrimmage, and throwing screen plays. So for Jane Gruden, 
how are you going to ease Jay Luton into this game? Because the chances of Jay Luton having a Garrett Gilbert-like performance like he did against Dallas is slim to none. I don't really think Pittsburgh's defense is going to get shredded by, once again, another backup quarterback. And remind you, a rookie quarterback at that. So if you're Jay Gruden, your offensive game plan has to be get the ball out quick, try to run the football as much as possible, and get the ball into the hands of your wide receivers and see what they can do. Now, you're also going to have to make sure that you're going to have to have a couple of tight ends on the field as well. I don't really know if that's going to make a difference, but maybe you kind of want to have a tight end in there just for pass blocking purposes to give you another guy in there for a numbers advantage. But even then, when that blitz comes, Jay Lewin is going to have to be able to see the blitz coming, and he's going to have to find out a way to attack and get the ball out fast. That's something that Garrett Gilbert did really well against Pittsburgh. One thing that he did really well against Pittsburgh was how he handled the blitz. He saw the blitz coming, and he already knew who he was going to throw the football to ahead of time. That's what Jay Lewin is going to have to be able to do if he is hoping to have a good game. His mental processing is going to be tested in this game. Now, the Jacksonville Jaguars on the defense side of the football need to limit the yards after the catch. Pittsburgh's offense hasn't really been a lot of deep shots down the field. Now, they have, they have had their fair share of plays when they've had big plays through the air, big bent on the ball deep to guys like Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. But a lot of the Steelers' offense has been based on what these wide receivers are able to do after the catch, getting the ball out to these wide receivers fast and let these wide receivers make plays. So for Jacksonville, you're going to have to wrap up in this game and you're going to have to make sure that you don't allow Pittsburgh to beat you underneath Force Pittsburgh to throw the football downfield. Now, the matchup that I'm really interested in watching is C.J. Henderson, a rookie cornerback out of the University of Florida, versus Chase Claypool. Now, Chase Claypool, in my opinion, has been the best rookie wide receiver in the NFL. And yes, I am biased because I am a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, but I believe that wholeheartedly. Okay, I think he has more touchdowns than any other rookie in the NFL so far at that wide receiver position. So I want to see that matchup. C.J. Henderson matchup against Chase Claypool. C.J. Henderson has had a pretty solid rookie year. And I know I troll a lot of my friends who like the Jacksonville Jaguars about C.J. Henderson. But C.J. Henderson, in my opinion, has been either the best or the second best rookie cornerback in the NFL so far. And I want to see how he's going to do matched up against a fellow rookie, Chase Claypool, because Chase Claypool has been a monster. He has been a large part of the Steelers' offense, especially when they get inside the red zone. They like to try to throw him some back shoulder fades, some fades over the top. They also try to get him involved with some jet sweeps a lot. So if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, C.J. Henderson versus Chase Claypool, when they're matched up against each other, is going to be a big matchup to watch. And also, can Pittsburgh establish the run game? Now, Jacksonville's run defense has been pretty much non-existent all year. And for Pittsburgh, you have struggled to establish the run game over the last couple of games. So if you are a Steelers fan, you would like to see the Pittsburgh Steelers try to get this run game going. Because you don't really need to throw the football to beat Jacksonville. Like, I would like to see the Steelers have a game that they're able to run for at least 120 rushing yards. And it doesn't even have to be James Conner. Like, just as a team, I would like to see Pittsburgh get this run game going because eventually there's going to come a time when you're going to have to run the football if you want to win. Because eventually the weather is going to get bad. It's going to start snowing eventually. So eventually that run game is going to be really important as we hit the late half of the NFL season. 
So Pittsburgh, I want to see James Conner pull up a really good game against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense that hasn't been good against the run. The Jacksonville Jaguars are also 28th in sacks per game, which is really surprising to me that Jacksonville has been this bad when it comes to getting pressure on the quarterback because you look at Josh Allen. Josh Allen as a rookie last year in 2019 was a pro bowler, and this Jacksonville Jaguars defensive line has really been all that great. Now, I know they got rid of Calais Campbell. Remember, they traded Calais Campbell in the offseason to Baltimore for basically a bag of chips. So can the Jacksonville Jaguars get pressure on Big Ben? That's going to be another question. Now, the Jacksonville Jaguars are coming into this game on an eight-game losing streak. They have lost eight games in a row ever since they defeated the Indianapolis Colts week one this year. So, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they need this win. And we know that Jacksonville Jaguars, their playoff hopes are pretty much over. If they lose this game, you can pretty much kiss the playoffs goodbye. They will pretty much be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs if they lose this game. But they're pretty much already out of the playoffs as it is. So for Jacksonville, I'm trying to figure out what does the future have in store? Like, what is the future? Because... I don't think that Jacksonville would have brought back Dump Monroe, considering when you look at what they did this offseason, trading away Gossai, A.J. Boye, Calais Campbell, getting rid of um, Leonard Fournette. Like, I think that Jacksonville has a plan in mind. Now, why would you bring back Dump Monroe if you knew your team wasn't going to be good this year? I think Jacksonville has a plan in mind. Now, Jacksonville also allowed nine yards per pass against the Green Bay Packers last week, which isn't great. So the Steelers... Passing tag could have another great game when Big Ben shreds the Jacksonville Jaguars defense for four more touchdowns, maybe. So if you are a fantasy football lover and you have Big Ben and you have any Pittsburgh still wide receivers on your team, I would start them this week against the Jacksonville Jaguars because aside from CJ Henderson, you don't have anybody good on that secondary. So the team I'm taking the win without a doubt, I'm taking the Steelers to get the victory. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers win this one pretty convincingly, although I think they may struggle to start the game. I think they may come out a little bit flat, but I think Pittsburgh wins this game 34 to 13 is my final score prediction in this game. I think Pittsburgh should be able to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars the same way they beat Cincinnati. Jacksonville's off the line isn't good. And the only thing Jacksonville really has going for them offensively is their ability to run the football. Also, you have Jay Lewin back there, a rookie quarterback, going against the best defense in the NFL and a defense that they love to blitz. So they're pretty much going to mix up their formations, try to confuse Jay Lewin. And I think that this should be an easy victory for the Steelers. And I think that they should move to 10-0 on the year.